Hi, this is Chris Newmarker. I'm managing editor of Medical Design and Outsourcing, a mass device resource. We're going to discuss medical device innovation today. Both public and private healthcare payers are increasingly rewarding health providers utilizing at-home digital health. So what is it? And what are the challenges that medtech companies should watch out for as they jump into this area? To help answer these questions and more, we have Scott Thielman with us today. Scott is CTO of Product Creation Studio. Product Creation Studio is a product development consultancy based in Seattle. Scott, welcome to MDO. Happy to be here, Chris. So I guess let's just launch into this. I mean, at-home digital health, what is it? You know, why should healthcare organizations and investors care? Yeah, I mean, a great question. The, you know, we're talking about, uh, if we're talking about at-home uh, digital health, also called smart home healthcare. These are, are really systems and products built from sensors, connectivity, and and analytics and processing uh, arranged to influence better health. And and what we're what they typically are trying to do is is influence through through a network of of feedback loops. I like to think of these things as kind of highlighting information from data that's being collected for the right stakeholder who can actually do something to influence health. Sometimes that's the, the, the patient or the person, you know, who bought the system or is using the system. Sometimes it's a care, care provider or, or, a, you know, a, a physician who's, who's processing this information to make better recommendations. But I, I like to think of these things as big, big feedback loops. And some examples are, are like the fall detection or medical alert systems. We're maybe familiar with like first alert, alert one or mobile health are some yeah. example companies that, that would use information about where a person is or their, their current, you know, activity status or, or they fall down, they need, they need help. Right. That's, that's one we're all pretty familiar with. And that, and kind of one of the more established areas in at home, at home, uh, uh health. But, what we're seeing a big growth in is is in the examples where the, the the sensors or the information kind of goes with us throughout our daily lives. So if you think of a continuous glucose monitor like the Dexcom uh, G6, that's a little smart patch that that's measuring blood glucose levels through the skin, and that little device is talking to a separate reader or interactive device or maybe a smart connected device like a like, like an Apple Watch and 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 the patients getting this real time or close to real time trend of their actual uh, uh, you know blood glucose level, this gives them insight that they otherwise wouldn't have in in kind of a, a, a real time sense where they can make adjustments to their diet or to their ins insulin to have uh, you know a moderation factor on on that on that biometric and yeah it's and, replacing something that was really painstaking for that that is really painstaking staking for diabetes patients and, and and instead there's this much more like passive collection of data that's real time that provides insights exactly, exactly. and makes it uh you know instead of you know a couple of times a day doing the doing a finger prick uh, they're, they're getting this you know high resolution data kind of on a every every few minutes and and there's just a lot more information that's that's represented and i like to think of that information versus data you know um it, it, it's in some cases it's easy to get a lot of data a lot of numbers 
but making that meaningful for for the patient or for the care provider is what's really important to to success in these. Right. I mean, like my Fitbit collects a lot of data, but you know, what? How much of that would actually be useful for uh, you know, for my doctor? Right. And the magic is turning that into uh, in, into information that then can actually beneficially influence you know the outcomes for these these patients. And I think I think you were asking about you know, why we should care about this. And what we're seeing is, is this segment is, is rapidly growing. Um, some estimates put the size of this, uh, at home digital healthcare market at 30 billion by 2023. And that's, that's almost a six times increase from what it was in 2017. So, so there's something going on here that's really driving this, this area. And from kind of from a macro level, we know we've got like a, in the U.S., we've got like a four trillion dollar healthcare challenge where we're just spending right. too much money on, right. on healthcare in a way that we don't believe is sustainable. Yet, when when you look at the the interventions, the surgeries, the the drugs we're, we're giving, we don't see that those are getting you know a lot lower cost, a lot cheaper. Uh, in fact, or or in, in number or in 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 price, and and so how are we going to save? So uh, you know, part of this. Uh, promise of kind of smart home healthcare is that we can move this point of care out and really maximize kind of the the ounce of prevention, uh, which is better than the pound of cure, hopefully. And move that by moving that point of care out to where we live, we're we're di- going to diagnose earlier. We're going to going to influence and hopefully prevent uh, disease states that are very expensive and and burdensome. Right, and as I recall. Too, we I mean, we have a lot of uh, of of the payers, uh, you know, whether it's like public payers like Medicare in the U.S. or the National Health Service and in Britain, or even like private play, payers, you know, like you know the United Healthcare's and Aetna's in the U.S. I mean, they're all you know rewarding health providers more monetarily for for doing more in this area. So I mean, I mean, my my understanding is that there's more money for this, and as you just elaborated, there's more need for this. And our technology has reached the point that we can do this. So it's, 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 it kind of sounds like all of these things are coming together right now for it. I, I think you're right. I don't know if this is a singularity moment for, for at-home digital health or not, but it, but it definitely feels like we, we're at the knee of a curve here where something's, something's happening enough. Those factors are in play to make it really interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, so this is a, I mean, I guess for lack of a better word, a hot area. There, there's a lot going on here. So, you know, you know, medtech innovators, you know, you know, companies that you know want to get more involved in the space. I mean, what are some of the challenges that they need to be, uh, you know, thinking of as they try to embed these these types of like digital health health solutions into into their products? Yeah, and they, there are many. Uh, there's, of course, some regulatory uncertainty, and we've seen the FDA respond in in recent months and years, uh, looking at how they're going to address digital health. There's questions about reimbursement, as you already mentioned. There, you know, we're starting to see, the, the you know, the the big um, uh, insurance companies look at ways to to integrate these these technologies, but. But uh, we have to have reimbursement codes right now, and it's kind of a kind of a kind of a pay-as-you-go. So, is, is there a code for your your you know your new 
expensive bandage or, you know, we, we, have, we have to figure that out. And th there could be complex analytics. You know, there's a lot of talk about AI, machine learning, uh, but that all needs carefully annotated data that we can rely on to train these systems. That's so, a really good how, point. How, yeah. So how do we make usable that usable information out of out of the data streams is another another one. Yeah, it doesn't matter think, how good your algorithms are if the if the data isn't good. <laughs> that's right. Underneath that's it. garbage in, garbage out. Right. Right. And and I think a, a big one I hear is is you know this you know, lack of comparative effectiveness data, uh, the 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 expense. Uh, to be able to prove that, yes, when I put these feedback loops, hopefully virtuous feedback loops in place, they do improve care and they do lower the cost of care. That, that's, that, that's another big challenge. Yeah, I mean, it's and, basically like it's, it's, it's uh, informing the, 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 you know, the patient or the provider or both that, you know, you know pointing out something to them like, hey, you, know, you, you should do this more, you should do this. But, yeah, if they don't do anything about it, then you know, it doesn't matter how intelligent it is. Right. Well, you you're getting to the the one I was kind of saving, and that's you know, at being a product developer myself, an engineer, and and, and you know, facing the the real development challenges, and seeing companies fail or succeed uh, based on on how well the product is adopted. I, I I want to also call out the challenge of of patient compliance. You know, do patients actually adopt this technology and and use it? And that that one kills a lot of a lot of products where, um, you know, if, it'd be nice if or it, it seems like it's, it seems like it would be a slam dunk. But because the patient ends up putting it in their drawer or choosing some other product, that product of that company doesn't doesn't uh, succeed. And I, I think if we can kind of turn towards consumer tech that's dealt with these challenges, I think for more keenly for a little bit uh, longer than 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 uh, med tech. And one I like to bring up, point out, is the e-readers. So e-readers came out about two decades ago. Multiple companies brought kind of this novel electronic paper display and some storage so you keep a bunch of books kind of digitally stored. And this was, a, this was a product that was relevant to a lot of users because they wanted to be able to access these books. They wanted to be able to take them with them on vacation or, and just have this conveniently sized device. But because uh, barriers in kind of the ease of use, uh, it really took another decade uh, before Amazon launched the Kindle that that uh, allowed users to just simply access content over a cellular modem. So there was suddenly there was they basically removed a step. Suddenly there was no uh, barrier to downloading that next version. You know, you know, you just finished the Girl and the Dragon tattoo, and you want to get the next one in the right. series is is addictive and easy just to oh i'll just click here and even though i'm on the bus or you know away from my wi-fi or you know it just it just made it that much that much easier and i think that's a key that that the at-home healthcare development companies that now have to face and that and it's a it's a challenge that the consumer tech companies have been facing for for quite a while but but as we bring these solutions out into where we live, our homes, our work, our offices, we have to make them uh, easy to use. We have to remove those barriers and kind of make the technology transparent like, like Amazon did with, with the Kindle so that, so that the adoption is, is easier and folks are more engaged and compliant with, with the use. And we see some, some companies starting to do that. In particular, um, I'd call out like ResMed. If you 
they're a maker of sleep of apnea, CPAP. yeah yeah so so if 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 you buy one of these one of their machines now you're basically getting an integral cellular modem that's already configured to connect back to their servers and 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 just kind of pipe this this data um uh, out and then and then they can they can give you that they can kind of complete the feedback loop by giving you usage data and, and additional uh, encouragement if needed about how how you're doing and because their, their human factors teams basically looked at it and said that you know every step that we put in front of the user um, kind of restricts adoption we, we lose people at every every time we have to flip a switch or every time we have to go enter a code in some sort of setup menu we're losing some, some right. people from even <laughs> even using the system. Right. Meanwhile, I imagine even some of your users are, are older people who, you know, don't, you know, they might not even know exactly how to how to use their iPad, let alone, you know, tell their their uh, you know their CPAP device, you know, how how it should be collecting data. You know, so yeah, it could be, but I, I think we're seeing uh, the aging population get pretty tech savvy, and I think. I think I, when I think about it myself, there, there's a certain laziness uh, there. If you make something too difficult, and, and and the and the benefit is not readily apparent to me, I, I'll you know a lot of times just click the X button, and go move. I'll, I'll skip that step. I I don't need to join your whatever um, um, <laughs> right you know uh, system so that I can get so I can get this additional feedback element because I just I, I don't have the value of that yet. And you what, know, like what join the whatever found. community, and we're gonna, you know, it, yeah. needs to, it needs to be like an automatic opt-in, basically, and, and, yeah. and they, they get the benefits, and they and, and they get more involved with it. Well, and I, and I think what the interesting thing that that the ResMed team found is that when there, you know, there's this big barrier to adoption to joining kind of the club, but there's a big benefit when when people did join their their. Um, um, group and I forget what they, they, they called it but when, when you joined their their group and got the feedback they saw patient compliance rates in, increase and and in, in a significant way because reimbursement in that in that, in that device space is tied to compliance if you don't actually can't demonstrate that you're actually using the machine correctly uh, that you you don't it doesn't get paid for well, that's interesting <laughs> wow yeah so so, so that, that was an, that's an important so, so with those two competing uh, constraints that, that I think that's what really led them to kind of follow the the Kindle model and we just have to make this thing we have to make the technology transparent and and give give folks the benefit that we know they'll they'll enjoy when they see how they're doing uh, but not make them jump through a lot of hoops to get there yeah so I mean that sounds like um, like an important lesson from a uh, consumer tech that 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 you know meta companies are starting to learn that that you don't want you don't as you said you don't want the um the user to be jumping through that many hoops you need to keep you know it, it is it as simple as possible like like really keep the number of steps down that they need to to go through i mean am i am i hearing that correctly pretty pretty clearly i mean i you know a lot of groups have a lot of design groups have found that to be the case is that you know if it, you want to have these designs be relevant to the user population, meaning, you know, they have to understand that there's it's meeting a need for them. And in the consumer tech space, sometimes that need's not entirely apparent, readily apparent. So, yeah, so, it's like you turn it on, it collects, I mean, kind of like almost optimally, you turn it on, it collects data, 
you get insights and and i mean that that's i mean that, that would seem to be the perfection of it almost right right and 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 sometimes in these feedback loops it depends where you enter you may not you may have stakeholders that don't recognize the value of that data or the value of that information uh you know until they've seen it a few times and they say oh well that's that's really helpful for me to actually see my trend in in blood pressure over the last three months you know that that actually helps me in some way right and and also too i mean it's it's not just the uh you know the patients that you convince, I imagine, but also the the healthcare providers as well, because I mean they they've got their ways of, of doing things, and and you know I don't know about you, but whenever I go into a, a doctor's office, they they always seem very busy. So to to get them to look at something else, is, it seems like you need to you know have a good a uh, good selling point. Yeah, and going back to my comment about information versus data, I think that's. Nowhere is that truer than with the the physicians who currently are are still laboring under kind of a a, a paper you know paper service model versus a versus a value we're, we're trying to trend towards a you know pay for value pay for outcomes but uh, we we've still got a bunch of people here in the healthcare system that need to get things done they need to get patients processed and procedures um, um, performed. And yeah, they don't have a lot of extra time to to sit with their patients and evaluate this data. So one, you know, so a couple. Of, one of the things we're seeing is that's starting to change. We hope, and that's where that's where these patient groups, these insurance groups, will realize there really is power in in implementing these at home healthcare, digital healthcare schemes because you know we'll have healthier patients in our systems, but. We also need to, uh, you know, during the, during this time now, where we we also need to just design these things that, in, in a way that they can actually raise level of inform- useful information to the stakeholders who act, will actually spend time. And sometimes that's that's a a spouse or or a parent or a or a child that can spend some time understanding uh, what's going on. With with their loved one, and then providing some additional care based off that information. Yeah, like something something saying mom isn't moving around as much. You know, like go go check check on this. I mean, that could be um, that could be exactly. something useful. Like any other lessons from the consumer space that uh, that the digital health designers could could take to heart. Well, definitely. What one of the things that I think leading consumer tech uh, companies, and I'm thinking. You know the apples, the Amazons. Right. Uh, you know another one that comes to mind for me is the Nest thermostat. Is you know just a really great product implementation. And these these, these design teams, development teams have been using uh, user feedback for for quite a while. So they're they're getting they're doing the research to understand who their users are and and what they want. And then they're they're putting out, uh, you know, they're using that as input to the development teams, who can put together prototypes or mockups, uh, you know, all along the way, that represent what they believe is a great implementation based on what they know, what they learned about the user, and by pairing great research teams with great uh, design teams, we can you get this you get this ever improving. Uh, a product in terms of matching what the users want and need, and and really it becomes 
you know, kind of a planning decision for like, how can we get as many iterations in this big feedback loop between researching what, you know, what, what people really liked or how they responded to our current product candidate to, and, and, and then getting that information to the, to the design updated information to the design team so they can improve the design. How, you know, we want to maximize the number of cycles you can, you can go through there to, to really improve the product. And so the, the companies that are, 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 are doing that well are really reducing their risk of, of, uh, market flops by, by kind of, uh, you know, just, just getting this, getting their concept in front of the people who will give it the, the right critiques. And the right feedback. Yeah, I know you mentioned ResMed as a success story in this area. I mean, anybody else would be uh, good to mention here. Well, I I think groups like uh, you know Livongo is doing some interesting things with their approach to treating folks with diabetes, and it looks like they're taking multiple biometrics. Uh, more recently, they've added a a, uh, a blood pressure connected blood pressure solution that. It, it appears that it would be sets up very easily and, 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 you know, makes it easy for the, the, the patient to interact with. And, and then they're combining all that information to, uh, re, you know, using some analytics to nudge patients in, in the right, in the right direction. I, I think that's, I think that's a good path. There's a smaller company down in, in San Diego that I, I came across recently called Clarify Medical. They have a, Phototherapy treatment for vitiligo and psoriasis. Vitiligo is that loss of pigment uh, that 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 some folks get. And yeah. uh, what was interesting to me when I sat with their with with one of their executives, Andre Gamelin, he's he said they basically have set up the company to kind of continuously harvest um, uh, experience feedback from their from their customers. So when you buy one of their devices. It, it it can't be can't be operated until it's unlocked with a, a prescription and there, there's a there's a, a process you go through with the customer care center and initially when I heard that I thought that's that's a horrible blocker right. to, <laughs> to yeah. Yeah, we're using it. but you're gonna make but, me you know, call it, a customer care center <laughs> right but but it is a condition where you, you know it's a prescription device anyway and now they've invested in, in a great customer care center they actually embed in the company so folks are are having building a personal relationship with with people in the Clarify Medical Customer Care Center they they get walked through the activation process and walked through coached through the first first treatments and then they, they they've kind of got this they, they can send, shoot an email they can make a call if anything's going wrong the, the the customer care center then is is getting all this real time data and the the Clarify team is also being exposed to it. They can they can walk down the hall and hear what people are are complaining about or what they're getting stuck on, and and so they've set up this kind of you know part of the business cycle is they're immediately collecting information about how easy it is to activate and get started with this with this treatment, and they back that up with with a mobile app is basically the the interface for the user. So the user has to take some pictures of the lesions. Over time, they have to use use that interface on the app to set up the device and even uh, you know update treatments, I believe. So, so th their involvement with the app is another point where where Clarify is seeing 
where are they getting stuck and 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 are there places where they they don't understand and and I, they told me that they've already made multiple improvements to the the app and even even the firmware on the device based off feedback they've gotten from from uh, customers through the app or through through the customer care center and I, I thought that was was uh, you know following kind of a user centered design approach building that yeah. into your into your into your business model could be really beneficial. Well, yeah, and, and kind of the really wild thing about that is that it, 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 I can almost hear a lesson there that 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 sometimes your your best innovation can be going back and doing something a little more old school, like human beings talking to each other and and, and learning from each other. So, I mean, that's... I think so. Something is something like that could be easy to miss in the in the current environment where it seems like everything is about interacting with a screen, right? Yeah, exactly. Like uh, going going back to some of uh, you know, like the the more just basically the way you know traditional human interactions, you know, versus uh, versus technology. That there could be some some value in that as well. So and using the you know those screens and apps to kind of facilitate that. So that that, that is very interesting. Well, great. Uh, you know, Scott, anything else we missed that we get to mention? Well, I just want to follow up i hope i emphasized it but I, I think i think a real key here to improving the odds of success for these these at home or smart home healthcare innovations is to really do the research get the right inputs really understand who your customer is what their needs are and and what makes them tick and then plan on on putting forth uh, you know well designed uh, mock-ups and, and, and products that they can interact with so that you can capture how they, how they actually experience this, this product. Really capturing user experience, which for me goes above and beyond what's kind of the letter of the law for, for doing usability requirements for like the FDA. We, in, in, this, in this particular segment, we really need to focus on custom, you know, cultivating user experience, a great user experience that'll, that'll be sticky that'll overcome the downsides of having to live with whatever this, this technology is in, in their lives. And I, I just think there's, there's design work there to be done that, that we, we um, uh, really need to lean into and, and focus on to really keep these uh, innovations successful. Yeah, it sounds like there's a lot of exciting work ahead. Well, Scott, there was, yeah. I think there's a lot of good advice here. Um, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, you know, hope we can uh, do this again sometime i enjoyed it and happy to do it some other time chris yeah that sounds great well this is chris newmarker i'm managing editor of medical design outsourcing thanks for listening